Welcome to The Everyday Saint, where young Catholics inspire young Catholics as we're all grasping towards heaven while walking on earth as everyday saints. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Eve Rosemary, and let's get started because there's so much goodness to share. Welcome to The Everyday Saint. Today we have Michael on our podcast, which is very exciting because I know Michael has just learned so much and each time I talk to him about God, I learn a new thing and he has helped me in my journey with God so much and grow in it and just learn so much from it. So I'm really excited for him to be on the podcast. So welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, Eve. It's a pleasure being on this podcast. I've seen a few episodes and it's very intriguing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Basically, I'm a student at Benedictine College studying business management, uh, hope to start with my own business one day, and uh, I'm a, in a family of seven and the middle child with four other siblings. Yeah, okay. yeah. great. Um, can you tell us a bit about your faith journey? Like, what, what are some of the highlights as you've learned about God? Okay, yeah, so I would say it really... My whole life I've gone to Catholic school, so we would have, like, the faith always taught to us in school, but my dad and mom made it, like, a point to teach us outside of school by doing more than just going to daily mass, or go to the weekend mass. Uh, We would, like, sit rosaries every night. Uh, He'd also do, like, my dad would also do his little homily after dinner, which uh, actually really helped my faith life, because instead of just, like, learning about it and then hearing what you're supposed to do, I could watch my parents actually live out their faith. Because for a while, I would know a lot of people that were Catholic, but half the time they wouldn't be doing, like, what, like, how they should live their faith. But I'd literally see my dad and mom, like, in everything they do, whether, like, I don't know, we go out to dinner, and they're super kind to the waiter or waitresses, and then always, like, entertain them, tip well, or whether they go to, um, say, a store, uh, treat everyone with kindness, or in just, like, in my dad's personal um, career as an OBGYN. He's the only pro-life one in Texas. And he would tell us stories about, like, hearing other people's stories about how they were like, I don't know what to do. Like, I know this is what the faith wants, but I'm also, like, pressured... And that really impacted me hearing those stories because it'd be, like, real. And, I don't know, I just, I always wanted to model what they were. Like, that was always the expectation. I always wanted to be at least half that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's amazing that you had a family that really facilitated that faith life at home. Because, I mean, you can bring your church, like, your kids to Sunday Mass. But if the Mass isn't lived out throughout the week too not just by going to mass but like living that sacrificial love during the week your kids aren't going to grow up like knowing the faith as they should right it's just really important. yeah exactly it's like saying like if you got in trouble as a little kid for hitting your sibling if your parents said don't hit them and then hit you you're like that's counterproductive but our parents would be like hey this is how we live out the faith and this isn't just why you sh- no this isn't you should because we say they'd show us why we should and give us like look I mean the life that you live is way more important than the things you can ever want 
And so, yeah, I just always grew up with that culture and all my siblings. All of us always tried striving and helping each other towards uh, getting closer to God. And, yeah, we'd always have competitions of who could go to confession more, uh, how long you could stay in adoration for. Yeah, it would be fun. That, that is fun. That's really cute. I've never heard of siblings actually having a competition to see who how long they could stay in confess or like stay in adoration. Yeah, for. like that's just not usually a thing that kids want to do. They're like, okay, get me out of here as soon as possible. I don't even know what's going on. Exactly. Well, I think it was because at dinner a lot, we, our dad would always like ask us questions or like tell us about your day, and we'd be like, oh yeah, I went to like adoration. For about an hour, and then my sibling would be like, oh yeah, I went for an hour and 15 or whatever. And we'd be like, okay. And I don't know, it was just like, it was like that integrated, where you always brought up the faith and whatever we were talking about. And I just liked being around that. Yeah, is there, you mentioned that your dad would do like little homilies at dinner. Was there a specific one that like comes to mind that really impacted you? Um... I'd probably say one that I always remember is when he would, because I, younger, I would always, like, older siblings would always pick on the younger siblings, and me and my younger sister always had a problem with, like, telling each other what to do, <laughs> and just, not like faith matters, but being like, hey, like, you should do this, like, or like, hey, give me the TV remote, it's my show, or hey, you shouldn't be doing that, like, no snacking, or here. Like, upstairs or whatever. <clears throat> but my dad always would say, if you can't love in your own family, you're going to really struggle loving anyone else. Like, <clears throat> just not, like, relationship love, but just brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that really hit me when he started talking about that. And I was like, okay, if I can't, like, foster love for all my siblings and, like, want the best for them all the time, how can I be, like oh, like, live like Jesus did, like, love everyone else, when, like, the closest thing to me, it's hard to love. So, after that homily, I think I really was like, okay, I'm going to really strive to do this. And I actually have noticed, once I started trying to love my siblings more and more and trying to take care of them more and more, my relationships with other people got more deeper and I actually wanted the better for all my friends and stuff. Yeah, which is funny because when you think of, like, love your neighbor as yourself and all that stuff like the people that you don't think of most of the time is your siblings because exactly. it's just like a automatic like well they're my siblings so you know but mm -hmm. they're the people who see like the worst of you and the best of you and are there to cheer you on but then also tell you when you're wrong so they're probably some of the hardest people at times like especially when you're young and you don't understand that yet and they're just kind of there right um to really like sacrificially love and offer things up for and like once you're older you can become friends with them now and like there's less of kind of an awkward phase with your sibling where now they're not just your sibling but your friend but when you're younger it's like you don't really get that all the time but when you can love the people that are forced to love you in a way because they're your siblings like the people that you choose to love like it becomes that much more and then you like end up choosing to love your siblings beyond just a family relationship. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know when it happens, but one day you're like, okay, instead of actually picking on you, I'm actually going to, like, we're just friends. We're cool. Like, I don't know when that happens, but eventually all siblings get to that point where they're not just like, 
siblings and forced to be siblings. They're actually like friends and always want to know what's going on in each other's lives. Especially as you grow older. That's why everybody's going to college and in high school. Yeah, yeah. I went, When I was little, I was the oldest, so I was the most bossy out of all my siblings. And it took me a long time to realize that I should actually, like, treat my siblings as equals. Because <laughs> I was older than them. So I was, like, and I was the only girl. So I was, like, I'm the boss of them and all that stuff. And if I wanted them to do my chores, I would, like, pretend to call Santa and be, like, no. Santa. <laughs> Uh, my little brother isn't doing what I asked, and he'd, like, cry, run, do my chore for me. <laughs> my mom's going to listen to this. And be <laughs> yeah, like, and be like, wait, hold up. Oops. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I never did that. That's a little, that's a little much. You're actually scarring your brothers. <laughs> it's fine. They like me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew past that. I did. That's true. Yeah. Do you feel like... Your relationship with your family has helped you appreciate the Holy Family more, like St. Joseph and Mary? I definitely think so. Um, because thinking of the Holy Family, I always envision the perfect family. And that's what my mom and dad have strived to get our family to. And for a while, I always just was like, our family's just a normal family. But there have been so many times that, like, People just come up to us and like to our parents and be like, "Your um, children are just like so peaceful and so like respectful and kind. Like I've never seen something like this. Or like they're genuine and like joyful." And I realized that like I guess they just fostered a faith first um, kind of environment in our house. And for me, like when I was little, I'd always be like, "Okay, my dad." And St. Joseph are, like, the two earthly, like, parents I kind of have. Like, one's in heaven, always praying for me. The other one I actually see living out his faith. My mom and Mary are also, like, my two mothers. And, like, my mom, like, physically, Mary, she's the mother of God. So, I don't know. I think it definitely has grown me closer. And especially my mom has had a devotion to Our Lady for a while, and so seeing different things happen in your life as part of that devotion is just really cool to see and kind of brought me closer to Mary, too. Interrupting myself for a second here, because if you want to grow in confidence and faith, I have a really exciting opportunity for you. The Everyday Saint has released a lifestyle brand and apologetics training. I've turned my paintings into really cute sweatshirts, mugs, journals, and other products of our saints and Our Lady and other devotions for you to purchase at www.theeverydaysaint.com. But when you purchase from The Everyday Saint, you're not just purchasing your new favorite sweatshirt or journal to bring with you to adoration. You're also purchasing an apologetics training so that when you're asked about that product in the real world, when someone says something like, I like your sweatshirt, you know how to explain that devotion to other people. So you're acting as a conversion and conversation initiator through purchasing from The Everyday Saint and have confidence that you can explain that product to other people so that they too can learn about Christ and his love for them. Check out The Everyday Saint at www.theeverydaysaint.com. Yeah, I remember um, you can tell that your family is like 
like all all this your siblings like you can just tell that your family's really raised you all so well and I remember even when you're yeah you're welcome <laughs> when your sister came and visited I was talking with my friends and they're like like if his whole family is like that like you just want to give them the world because like they don't ask anything of you all they want to do is like love and you just want to keep giving them more because you can see Jesus so clearly in them and I, I think it's like a really beautiful thing that your family has facilitated that so well mm-hmm. uh, which is really important and I think sometimes there's like the connotation like oh you went to a Catholic school and you grew up in a Catholic family but like what do you know right but, but really like you did it like your parents really did it right you know in that way yeah, they, like, they help show that, like, just sending your kids to Catholic school sometimes isn't enough. Because we wouldn't know families that did all the basics, like, okay, made sure their kids went to Mass every Sunday and, like, sent them to Catholic school. But, like, besides that, like, their kids didn't really have anything to go off of. It was more just, like, another study or class they had to take, like, history or English. Like, that's not, like, their core. And for a while... I remember one of my high school teachers being like, all right, write down, like, three things that, like, would describe you. And I wrote down, like, I'm, like, a basketball player. Like, I like snowboarding. And I'm, like, this year old or, like, many years old. And she pointed it out. She's like, see, as you didn't put your Catholic as your first one, I was like, shoot. That really hit me. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, from now on, like, my faith, always just going to be the first thing I think about whenever I think of myself always first yeah which is very important I remember I had this I don't play baseball but <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking about it once I don't I don't know why but um in baseball if you don't hit the first base you can't get to second or third or make a home run like you got to get first base that's true first in order to even make it to the end and it's kind of like our faith like if your faith isn't first base you can't continue on the path that you're supposed to go on you're gonna like take a detour over here and then you're gonna (laughs) circle over here and you'll never make it back to home plate yeah at least not validly (laughs) (laughs) no actually that's a really good analogy i might use that in the future (laughs) (laughs) was there ever a time in high school where like your upbringing in faith came in handy whether it was like with some friends or with a teacher where you were kind of like wait a minute like isn't this like the right thing to do uh yes for sure with my friends um I can't think of like hard specific ones but just always like it was just instilled in me like always do the right thing and sometimes my friends which were fun at times. Sometimes we'd go a little far with some other things, and I'd be like, okay, that's just too much for me. And a lot of times they'd try peer pressuring me, but I'd be like, no, no. And I kind of thought that was cool, because in middle school, no, or in elementary school, peer pressure was harder to get past, because you're like, oh, they're not going to like me if you're being peer pressured. But I think, especially after confirmation and after just kind of growing my faith throughout my years, I started being like, you know what, it doesn't matter what they think, I'd rather my soul be, you know, like, pure and holy versus, like, tarnished, and someone thinks I'm a little cooler now, which probably doesn't do anything in the long run at all. 
Um, yeah, I can't think of any experience off the yeah. top of my head, though. Was that a hard realization to make, to choose your faith over your friends at a young age? Yes, it was. It was hard because a lot of people at that age don't really understand, per se. Like, either it would be the thing where, oh, you can always go to confession, which is horrible to be presumptuous, or, like, it's just, like, a little thing, I'll be fine. Even with, like, venial ones, like, venial sin stuff they'd push, it'd be like, okay, why well, just, if I get, like, roped into one thing, I know eventually I'm going to keep getting roped into other things, so I just decided to push stop before any, I don't know, bad thing could happen. But it definitely was hard at times, and, yeah, you lose some friends, or you don't become as close to others. Yeah, which really isn't a bad thing, because if there are yeah. friends that you're choosing not to do bad things with in the first place, then it's better to put a stop to it right away than get roped into something that isn't morally correct. That's true. But also, the high school I went to, we would we had small, small classes. And so you'd have friends in other classes, because like there's only five guys in your class, or like 15 people overall. And so like if you... If you lost one, that's like a huge percentage of your friends, but um, I don't know, I kind of just managed my way through. I was able to kind of be friends with people who wouldn't make the right decisions and would, but wouldn't be drawn into those bad decisions and try like helping them out of them Yeah. versus them pulling me. Which is really courageous to do, I think. Like, yeah. I admire you for doing that because not many people in high school have the guts to like, stop hanging out with certain people because they know that, like, that's not going to lead them down the right path. Or even I was, when I was giving a talk at one of the retreats last weekend, I was talking about the Holy Spirit and how, like, he's always prompting you to make decisions and, like, do good things. And sometimes, like, that looks like saying no to hanging out with a certain group of friends because you know, like, what they're going to do that night might not align with your values and be virtuous. So it right. takes saying no before you even get put in a place where it's like a make or break decision right then and there what you're going to do because it's going to be so much harder to say no. Yeah, exactly. Because that's really what the devil does with anything. He never always just goes straight to the big thing. Like he'll kind of, uh, one of my teachers explained like this, he always kind of slowly ease in. So he described it as like if you had a goldfish in a bowl and you had a heater under it set like, 50 degrees the goldfish is doing fine and then if you slowly crank it up to 55 he's still chilling and then next day you crank up to 60 and then you continue that pattern and eventually the water is boiling and the fish is dead and my teacher described that as like our soul if you keep like saying oh this venial sin's fine it's only a venial sin but then you keep doing it and then you build a habit and then eventually you commit something huge that kills your soul and then after a while, that doesn't even become a big deal. And then now you're really in trouble, which, yeah. So that's why I never really wanted to start down that hill. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you think you ever struggled, like, finding your identity, I guess, in high school because of that? Because I think, or, like, was that something that, like, you didn't even struggle with? Because it sounds like you kind of had the the right virtuous path like oh, I'm gonna make the right decision for myself no matter what other people think so like is it does that also align with the fact like did you ever struggle with 
what other people thought of you in that decision? I would for sure. Yeah, it definitely wasn't easy. Like, there was times where I was like, this stinks, like, doing the right thing. Because, like, everyone else seems fine not doing it. Um, like, even something as being, like, respectful to a teacher or respectful to another person. Like, not making fun of someone. Like, at times, that could almost backfire on you where then you start getting made fun of if you don't, like, go along with everyone. And, yeah, I mean, at points it was hard, but, I mean, I had God, and I had actually some really good close friends, too, that helped me advance, and I had my siblings with me, which, friends for life, always have your back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, how do you navigate making the right decision and, like, standing up for what is virtuous? Because it's easy to say, like, oh, just say no, like, just... Like, don't do this or don't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. that's all you got to do. But was there a particular way that you found worked really well? Uh, Maybe that opened up, like, a conversation with a friend. Like, oh, I'm not doing this because I don't think it's right. And then being able to stand up for your beliefs. Yeah, like, I was always taught that I always seek out the good, the true, and the beautiful. And usually with a lot of decisions, something's often one of those things um say if all your friends want to go drinking and they're like dude it's fine like we won't get caught and if we don't get drunk it's not a moral sin but i mean you're still disobeying something either the law or your own parents um or even like for instance like vaping if you're if your parents say no i mean disobeying your parents is still like you shouldn't do that and so I always be like, okay, well, is it truthful to do this? No, because I'm just lying to them if I do and then act like I don't. Um, Also, like, back to the drinking thing. If you do get drunk, that's clearly not the plan that God has for you with intensive alcohol. I mean, you can enjoy it. Like, he gives it to us. It's early. The wine turns into the blood. There's still alcohol in there, though. But... Like, there's good in everything, but abusing everything, that's what turns it from being beautiful and good to being corrupted. And, yeah, I think the devil does a lot of that in the world today with corrupting something that's good and then twisting it on itself with other stuff. Yeah. So the so is that, like, what you would explain to people when you had to say no to certain things like would they grasp that concept not as easily i would it'd be tough again it would more be like i'm not doing this because like personally my beliefs would be this and then i'd try explaining like why they shouldn't do it but obviously not just being like hey don't do this because i mean then I mean, you don't have as much control in someone else's life. If someone was telling me, like, all the time, don't do this, don't do this, you'd get annoyed and you'd want to, like, fight against it. But I would advise them, I don't know, just explain. If something's good for you, you'll know. If something's bad, there's a reason you're either doing it in secret or it's looked down upon by either your parents or, like, society and stuff. 
Because most of the time you know it's wrong, too. Exactly. You, you always can have feel like and you a... just, like, ignore it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, trying to explain that in lesser terms. Yeah, did it work most of the time? Or would your friends still make, like, that decision? Most of the time, it'd be, like, a 50-50. Either we ended up doing something else or just I went my own way, they went their own way for the whatever part of the night or something, part of the day. All right, fair enough. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's hard when you know what's right and you try and explain it and they just, like, exactly. don't get it. Or they're like, yeah, that's not, cause that doesn't matter. That's not that important to me. And then it hurts your heart a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know. like, you're trying to love them and take care of them, but it's also up to them to make that decision for themselves. And it's hard to watch your friends go down a path like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd give them, like, sort of, like, a last, like, lifeline to change their decision, but sometimes they ultimately go with it. Yeah. And yeah, I did have a friend that for a while, I had known him since, like, third grade. He left high school then sophomore year, which I haven't kept up with him because he has been gone, he has gone down a bad road, but over all that time, I feel like I actually was helping him stay in the faith, stay with the way, like, what was good. I'd actually, he'd always come to me and be like, okay, dude, so what about this? Like, what about this? What if, like, this is different or something? Always with questions and I'd always try helping him. And I think in that case, I was helping him even though he knew he wanted to do it. He knew it was the wrong choice. Yeah, and sometimes, like, the the only thing you can do is plant seeds that you'll never see actually come to fruition, which mm-hmm. is can be a hard part of our faith because we like to see the gratification of like oh, I said this and now they're doing this and right. I was the one who set them on that path but most of the time you don't know that most yeah. of the time you don't know like the one sentence that you said that changed this person's life forever and you know yeah. because I'm sure that if you when you live out your faith and even just like the example that you set people know that there's something different about you and they want to find what that is um, but you don't know that they've seen that part of you. And sometimes you don't even know, like, what how other people view you anyway. So it's, like, the way that they perceive you. Like, they're going to perceive you one way or another. And that could make a difference in their life that you don't even realize. And yeah. you, you'll just never know 